0: Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Whether you're looking to get on your very first store shelf or you're looking to grow your national or even international food brand, this podcast is going to teach you what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale a packaged food brand. Hear the food founder journeys of brands growing in their industry so you can fast track your food business success. I'm your host Ainsley and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Hey food friends, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. I'm your host Ainsley and today I'm thrilled to have Chris Jagger from Hot Sauce for everyone here with us. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Ainsley. Thanks for having me.
0: Really excited to have you on here and have you share the story of your hot sauce and everything you're doing at the Good Factory as well. So could we just open it up with you sharing a little bit about um, what is Hot Sauce for Everyone and what are you working on over there?
1: Sure. So Hot Sauce for Everyone started about nine years ago. One of the co-owners of the company, Jonathan, he is kind of a a food wizard, and uh, he started doing them in just just small little jars because uh, our hot sauce is a classically fermented hot sauce. There's no vinegar in it, and so we ferment all the peppers for at least a year and a half before we start bottling them up. So he started experimenting with it about nine years ago, and then he was selling them through his our other friend, our other like co-owner, Christian's restaurants that he has in Ashland, Oregon. And so that was the conduit for selling the hot sauces for years. And then about five years ago, those guys hit me up. And ask if I would be able to grow peppers for them because they got tired of buying peppers um, on the wholesale market that were kind of questionable quality. And so, since I've been growing, you know, 30 plus acres of veggies for, you know, 16 plus years here in Southern Oregon, I kind of jumped at the chance to have a bulk crop that I could grow. And so, I've Did that for probably the first three years for them. And then there was that opportunity where we saw that we could start scaling up um, outside of just the restaurant. And so we kind of, instead of it just being a kind of a, you know, Off the cuff, kind of like, let's see what we can do. We actually started getting serious about it and looked into building out a processing kitchen and getting all the proper equipment, but that has taken time. So, you know, over the last two years since I joined the company as a co owner, um, we've just been building out the proper equipment base and kitchen base as we were kind of growing and scaling the. The company's sales. So that's the that's the broad overview of what we're doing. Um, And we have right now we have seven different SKUs of sauces that we're we're selling, and uh, it's a pretty wide gamut of flavors. So
0: going to find all of these like. Processing equipments and really starting to figure out how to take it from small batch to large batch is it's not an easy feat. What were one of the big or what were some of the big lessons that you had as you guys were going through that process and really getting that all set up?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, really for us, it was, we operated for about a year in our old, like very small kitchen setup with the idea that we would just immediately jump to a a co-packer or a co-processor. Um, that we would just hire, you know, another company to do all the, the making of it. And then we would just go by and easily just pick up the finished cases. And then we're on our way. And then we quickly realized that in this world of kind of artists and scale food products that there's, it's kind of like in uh, organic vegetables, there's a dead zone of uh, economy of scale that makes sense. And so we quickly saw that we, would, we were nowhere near big enough yet to use a co-packer or a co-processor. So we kind of were gliding through an entire year where we were just like, oh yeah, next year we're gonna use a co-packer. And then we, when we started checking in at the end of that year, um, we realized that that wasn't going to work for us, so we kind of had to scramble and kind of throw together some equipment that wasn't ideal, but it would at least allow us to keep scaling and and doing it ourselves. Um, and so now we've like gotten rid of some of that equipment, and we've been you know as we could afford to, we've bought in new equipment, and now we're at a scale that will work for us for quite a while, I think, and unless we got some massive surge in sales. But we're a we're a bootstrap kind of company anyway we don't take any or we haven't at this point taken any outside funding at all it's just like pay as you go um, and that's served us well and has allowed us to not feel like we're pressured to scale up overnight
0: I think that's something that a lot of companies they kind of struggle with in this industry is like how do I grow really fast really quickly and that can get companies into a lot of trouble quickly yep. as well um and like manufacturing it yourself you're able to work out those kinks and really figure out, you know, how do we scale at a level that makes sense for us versus getting yourself into a situation that isn't going to, you know, make sense. Even the fact that you guys ran the financials to be like, this doesn't make sense. We're going to go to a co-man right now. You know, a lot of people aren't necessarily always even looking at those things and they just think of that end piece. So I think this is a lot about you guys as founders to look at those strategic decisions for you.
1: Yeah. And a lot of that came from the fact that all three of us were a little bit old. We're all in like I think I'm the I think I'm the youngest one of the three. I'm forty six. So, you know, we've all been in business of separate businesses on our own for a while. So we've messed up in that world enough and learned how to deal with it. So it's kind of there's a lot of things in this business that have been real smooth sailing for us because we've just seen it all and we don't really get stressed out by roadblocks, you know. Um, and I think that's a real strength for each of us. Cause I, I I hear horror stories of younger people starting businesses together and they get very idealistic about it. And then all of a sudden you see a crash and burn episode. And we, we really haven't had any of those, you know up to now. so
0: mm, Yeah, that's great. That um, that experience really helps make sure that you learn from your mistakes, right? Like, yep. um, I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't really believe in mistakes. I think everything is kind of like a lesson. Um, yes. And I think that you're probably the same from what I know. So yep. yeah, everything is a learning opportunity, right? And it makes it all a little bit easier moving forward. Yeah, I agree. You obviously have learned a lot throughout this though. Um, what Like looking backwards, what is something that you wish you knew right at the beginning when you came on board that you have now figured out?
1: Well, I mean, the biggest one is probably that COVID was going to happen. I mean, mean, that would have been a good crystal ball to know. Um, You didn't figure that
0: out before? Come on. No,
1: no. But Well, and kind of tied with that is, I think that if we had known that uh, direct consumer really was going to be what it what what it's becoming. I think that we would have doubled down on the web sales uh side of things, the e commerce side of things from the start. And where all three of us that are the co-owners are kind of on that edge, that age where we all three of us have lived a good part of our lives without the internet. There's definitely a strong learning curve for us figuring out how to do it. Like we're in the process of completely rebuilding our website again right now, you know? And that's okay. I mean, but we're just it's a it's a really fast-paced environment, and it changes rapidly. And so, looking at how, say, Shopify works now, even compared to a year ago, is a completely different world. Um, and so, keeping up on that and believing that 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 world is going to continue to grow, I kind of wish we had known that from the beginning. Because, like the the grocery the grocery chain world is really it, it doesn't really work for us personally. Some people like it, but. I just have never wanted to have to scale that much that fast to have that kind of volume availability. And just when you see how much of the margin is, is taken from you, that's what, what's really driven us to like go e-commerce. And it gives us full control. I mean, we're, we're all kind of do-it-yourself punks of sorts. And so it's kind of one of those things that we really like to have the control of, of our sales and what we're doing. So for better or for worse, you know.
0: And imagine with your product as well, considering the fact that it ages for a year to really get those flavors, that scaling up from a retail perspective as well, that kind of throws things all off. If you get a massive order in three months, that makes it a lot more difficult.
1: Yeah. And that's one of our biggest, the biggest, uh, challenges that I think that we see is between the manufacturing logistics and the marketing logistics for us and say our sales, not actually marketing, but our sales logistics and, and those two worlds clash heads more often than not because we have, even though it's a shelf stable product, we have, we have a a living product basically that's on the shelves. And so it it is, it's that kind of like, like we have a couple of restaurants that consist are using our, our product in bulk. And once they kind of reopened after the initial COVID thing, we were, we were on this like curve of what they needed from us. And then all of a sudden we just see these massive jumps. Well, the way that our production logistics work in the kitchen, we couldn't just immediately start making gallons and gallons at a time because we're, we either have to be bottling the gallons or we have to be bottling the eight ounce bottles, you know? And, and so that's been a learning curve for us is figuring out how to balance those two worlds. Um, and it's, it's a challenge, but at the same time, it's the folks that I have kind of behind all of this, helping us figure it out. They're down for the challenge, which is it makes it work.
0: You guys have been able to have this really unique brand presence. I would say um, I personally love your guys' labels. I think they are unique and really stand out. What is kind of the the heart behind that side of the business?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really it really comes down from I would call it like zine culture um, that kind of... We, we all come from like a pseudo-punk background, pseudo... I don't know, like my, one of our co-owners, he he ran a like a huge reggae sound system for years, you know, kind of that like street culture, kind of just kind of on the fringe of society kind of culture. And we're all like, we're just normal run-of-the-mill people and we're just doing our thing, running our own businesses. But we all come from that background of the, you know, like, Jonathan, who's the oldest, you know, he was, he was in the punk movement in the late 70s, early 80s, even, you know, and so it it's kind of that DIY kind of world, um, art, culture, music, and then food. Food is like a missing link to all of those things that probably wasn't there years ago. And as we've moved into the 21st century, we're seeing how much food can play a part in all of those cultural, um, cultural things. So that really kind of shapes the the ideology behind how we're doing things, you know, it's like, uh, I think it was like one of your friends who had said to me, and I'd never heard this before that our, all of our designs are very maximalist, you know, they're, and I didn't really know what that was, but once I looked it up, it kind of totally made sense. So,
0: yeah, I, I want a poster of your guys' labels.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's in process. We're working on getting that going. So
0: Perfect. What's been something um, that you guys are really proud of as an organization that has happened throughout the journey with all of this? You know, what's what's something that you guys all feel really, really great about that's happened along the way? Uh,
1: that as as founders and co owners, that we all still talk to each other and we're still all friends. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. We're all we're all we don't get too narcissistic or or ego driven that we ever can't listen to what the other says. I mean, we disagree on things, but we're really good at harassing each other about stuff too and take it tongue in cheek, you know, and like, you know, at the end of the day, there's no reason to get too worked up about things. I, I really think that that's probably one of the driving forces that keeps us strong. And, uh, and we're not all three of us are not working together e- each day either. So Christian is running his restaurants, which is like an hour away from the farm where all the processing is done. Jonathan actually is living in Arizona right now, he'll be coming back up for our pepper harvest and processing this fall. Um, so we have that space that with each other, you know, and I, I'm kind of running the day to day with the the sauce company right now. So it and they both trust me that I'm doing the right thing. And we all check in with each other regularly, but there's not a not a micromanaging tendency among any of us, which is I think that's a real strength.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it's extremely collaborative and you guys come together as needed, but also still have, everyone still has their autonomy in their own pieces.
1: Yeah. Well, we're all so busy with our own things. Like Jonathan is a full-time artist as well. So, I mean, and I should say Jonathan's the one that has done all the labels. He's done all the art for the labels and it really, it really speaks to his style of art um, as well. And so he's in Arizona most of the year down there painting and creating and sculpting and, and, and stuff. So um, just having that, having that space is is key. So
0: what is one of the pieces that you guys are working on right now um, with the hot sauce business?
1: Probably, well, figuring out how to actually fully jump into the e world is really what I mean, we've had our website up for strongly up for like a year. um, But we really see that it it, but it's kind of just been a word of mouth website right now. I don't even know if that's a thing, but I I think it is. Um, And now we're kind of moving into how to optimize things. And, and uh, so that's going to be really our next step is optimizing it and kind of cleaning it up around the edges. It's been pretty funky, you know. Up until now, which is kind of fitting for us, but it's just how it is. And then the next step will be how the hot sauce company and kind of identity is going to start fitting into the whole good factory concept that I have going there at the farm and and how that's going to start merging. And that kind of leads into what you were saying about a poster. You know, it's like working on getting our screen printing facility up there, and, and we have a lot of other small artisan businesses that are going to start kind of operating out of the farm as just this creative hub. So that's a step for us is figuring out how to integrate all that and all the challenges with working in a a space that's collectively occupied by a lot of different minds and ideas. So
0: Can you elaborate a little bit more on the good factory?
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. So Blue Fox Farm is my vegetable farm. And it's kind of the it was the start of all this. And we've always been growing veggies for on scale, you know, up to had up to 45 acres of veggies. Um, We've scaled back now quite a bit. And we're moving to this point now where I've been farming for 23 years, kind of ready to shift gears a little bit. And the wholesale and market world is definitely getting more challenging all the time. The margins are less. Labor is not available. And so I've kind of moved into this concept of a creative hub and la uh, the good factory is what we call it. And it's the idea is that it's basically just an agriculturally minded hub for, for cool things to happen. And so right now we have Blue Fox Farm is there. Blue Fox Farm is growing the peppers for hot sauce for everyone. Uh, my current field manager's uh, for Blue Fox Farm. They have their own farm business that they're starting called Wayward Acres, and they grow organic seeds for the Seed industry on contract. And so next year they'll be leasing ground from us um, to start their own enterprise. And then we have a local coffee roaster that has set up their uh, coffee roasting facilities there. We'll have a podcasting studio, uh, sound recording studio. So I have a lot of friends that are DJs and producers that kind of want an outlet for being able to stream shows or have podcasts or whatever. And All of us that are kind of involved with, with what we're doing there, we all kind of have, we have opinions as well underneath and so it's kind of a perfect perfect idea I think to have a podcast as that's kind of like a cultural fabric of explaining more to the world what each of us are doing there and so I think it'll be a really good way to kind of self-promote and and find out more about others that are that are doing things there and then I also have my consulting services my it's like a AG supply and consulting service that is based out of there as well and so and I have other people that are interested in talking about some other small enterprises that they could do out of there. I just like that idea of many small enterprises that can as a whole kind of like become like this super super robot, you know, that that can kind of really have an effect on culture and business without having to be a single giant entity, you know. So that's it's it's still very conceptual, but it's something that we've been putting together, you know, slowly over the last several years. Um, and it really just keeps focusing on the main premises that all of us care about, which is basically, you know, culture, which is art, music, food, you know, and people. It's really there's nothing too complex about it, and we're trying not to over organize it as as well. We're trying not to have meetings. We're trying to have as few meetings as possible. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you you have this way of keeping things simple and to like the core of what's actually important. And that drives a lot of efficiency and and forward momentum um, as well, because yeah, you can just have meetings upon meetings upon meetings and like everyone on your team all needs to be together and all this. And I think that sometimes takes away the pureness of what it is that someone's trying to create. And you've, you've done a really good job of preserving that.
1: Yeah, I I just want it to be a platform for people to be able to create. Period. You know, like it, it. I shouldn't have to. I don't want to micromanage, and I don't want anybody else to have to micromanage. I just want people to be able to that are set up there. Like, like okay, I've got the our our friend that's the main sauce maker right now. Like we interact and we talk, but I don't mess with him while he's making sauce. He just comes. He. Gets down to business, turns the music on, and just goes to town on it, you know. And and like when our friends come by to roast coffee, we're all like, "Hey, what's up? How's it going? Good to see ya." And then they get down to it. They get down to business, and I just—it's just a platform for them to do their thing, you know. Because we all know that land values and and uh, property values are unbelievable these days, even here, rural Oregon. the the property values are through the roof, you know, and we were lucky enough to buy the place off market 10 years ago, when things were right before things really started shifting. So it's kind of like, I keep thinking, like, how can I use that equity, that equity advantage that we have to kind of promote others that probably couldn't get in now, you know, and so it, it kind of makes sense to me and, and everybody else, it's kind of agreeing, you know, there's like certain things, like all of us understand that none of us It's not about ownership of the land. It's more about the stewardship of that land. Granted, I hold the mortgage, I guess, but I still view it as a stewardship kind of situation.
0: I'm excited to continue to watch that, to grow and see what comes out of there. Yeah, me too. A lot of great, great ideas and thoughts and products and all of that. So that'll be really fun to continue to watch that. Yeah. What advice would you have for anyone who is just starting out? Maybe they're even just thinking about starting a packaged food or beverage business. Um, What guidance would you have for them?
1: Probably, I'm I'm a big advocate for kind of storyboarding ideas. And I think the work that I did with you earlier in the year definitely solidified that for me. Like frameworks of like really thinking through all the parts and really writing that down and drawing that out ahead of time. You know, like breaking whatever that idea is, breaking it down into all the parts that are going to make the whole, you know, whether that's materials that go into making the product, packaging that goes into making the product, labor that goes into making the product, all of the, all of the hard facts about making that product and just writing everything out that you can first and then being able to organize your thoughts around that. Because I, I have a lot of friends that will have a great idea. But then as soon as we sit down and start brainstorming together, you just see that there's this massive, like a, a gaping uh, spot in their idea ideology, you know, that just they haven't really thought through. But if you put it on paper, like some of those things really become apparent. So I'm always a big fan of whiteboards or uh, sketch sketch pads and just really writing it out, just visualizing it. That's probably the biggest biggest thing that I I present to my friends, because it is funny right now, you know, on the, I don't know, are we on the heels of COVID yet? I don't know if we are. But in the uh, amidst COVID, um, there's a lot of people that are definitely looking to how can they create a self run business. And so a lot of people have been hitting me up saying, Hey, you're here. How did you get there? And that's really what I'm sharing with most of them. So
0: yeah, I think that's really helpful. Just like plan it all out, be thoughtful, think of all the pieces that you can, and then go for it.
1: Yeah. And sit on it too for a while. That's what I've found is like, I'll, I'll do a session where I'll just like let everything come out of my mind in a session. And then I won't look at it for three days. And then I'll come back and look at it again. And it's amazing. Your brain is processing all of that while you're not thinking about it. And I'll come back and I'll see it in a completely different light and maybe add or subtract to some of the ideas. So um, I think patience is really the biggest one for me. I I use that a lot because I can be a really impatient person, but I've learned over the years to just be really, really calm and patient about the process.
0: Yeah. I think in the food and beverage world, I think that is a great, in all parts of the world, but especially in food and bev, like there is, there's no such thing as overnight success. So I think being grounded in that for all parts of your business, um, is really helpful for everyone. Yep. Where can people find you if they want to learn more, if they want to get some hot sauce, um, where can people check you out?
1: Yeah. So, uh, hot sauce for everyone, all one word, Dot com. So, hotsauceforeveryone.com. Or if anybody ever has any questions uh, or they want to reach me quicker, they are welcome to email uh, me at it's hot sauce for everyone office. So, it's hsfeoffice at gmail.com. Uh, that's a good way to reach out to me. So.
0: Perfect. Chris, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I continue to be ex- inspired to watch your journey and always love to hear what you're up to because I know you guys are truly putting not just great products into the world, but goodness into the world. And oh, that's thanks. Refreshing.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Ainsley.
0: Well, cool. thanks, Chris. The Food Founders Podcast is brought to you by the Fab Growth Academy, the online hub for driven food and beverage business owners that wanna get on more shelves, get into more homes, and really grow their food business. Inside the Fab Growth Academy, fab standing for food and beverage, you'll have unlimited access to tools, resources, and training from myself and my food friends. So if you know you have a great product, Let's work on building the business side of things so that more people can enjoy it and you can make the impact I know you want to make with your business. The Fab Growth Academy is now open, so hop on over to growmyfoodbrand.com to join me and your fellow food founders inside the Fab Growth Academy. I cannot wait to see you in there and help you grow your business.